I have been, for those of you who've been here the last few weeks or over the last few weeks, I've been going through, meandering through the Eightfold Path. And I, uh, those, and is there, are people here familiar with Buddhist teachings or is there anyone new to Buddhism at all? Um, kind of, sort of new. Rob, can you just back up just a little bit? Perfect, thank you. Then I can see that. Um, so the Eightfold Path of the Buddha's, or is it, it's right here in the subtitle of the book, The Eightfold Path, The Way to End Suffering. It's the Buddha's teaching on, on really liberation, freedom from our uh, stuck, freedom from being stuck in craving and delusion and um, uh, aversion, uh, just really this path to waking up. And it's a path to being in the world it's a path to how to be in the world without causing harm to ourselves or others. It's really a, a waking up process. And I think I, think I, I think I was thinking about this the other day on Thursday, because I teach a class on Thursday as well, and I kind of do the same thing um, in each, each class. And I was thinking about how I have fallen in love with the Eightfold Path, which sounds really hokey. And I'm sure if somebody said it in a class I was in years ago, I would have been like, ugh. Really, um, but what that means to me is that these teachings are so powerful, and they I have experienced them in my life, and they have brought me to a place of ease. I'm not enlightened, not claiming that at all, but I have an ease in my life that I didn't have before. Not that the circumstances of my life have changed. Some, you know. We are human beings living in this world, and shit happens. And it's always going to happen, and more or less. And these are incredibly turbulent times we're living in, both on the outside and, and a lot of us personally. My cat, I had to put my cat this down on Monday, you know? And so it's, it's been, uh, it's not been my best year, let me put it that way. It's been a difficult year. Yet, because of these teachings and how I've been able to apply them, I've been able to maintain a sense of equanimity while also acknowledging the discomfort and the sadness that's present or has been present throughout this year, the loss, the grief, and the joy. I mean, it's not all awful. There's both sides, and when we're paying attention and when we're bringing these teachings into our lives, my experience, and from those I've spoken to and have read books on, we're able to be at ease with whatever's there because we don't have a preference for it to be different. We're okay with what is. I mean, we're not necessarily saying, yeah, this is fine, it's good. It's like, this sucks, and this is the way it is, and I can be with it. And then we can say, does this need to change? You know, taking the next step if there are things that need to be, um, uh, things we need to address, that's, that's different. But to be able to hold all the emotions, the loss, there's a lot of loss this year. Um, and, uh, and be with. And so that's why I, it occurred to me, it's like I've fallen in love with this because this is, it's this place to land. It's like, okay, this is what's coming, coming at us. How do we work with this? Oh, yeah, kind of intention and, and seeing clearly and, and learning to not get lost in 
the, the crazy thinking, the old ideas that so many of us have cultivated unconsciously, methods of, of taking care of ourselves um, that we've cultivated over the years that don't necessarily serve us. So this freedom comes through this, this practice, the way to end suffering, the way to end this, this ex, excessive, um, 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 or as Tan Jeff calls, the stress. You know, he, he translates dukkha as stress. Um, dukkha is the word that the Buddha used. And um, so uh, the Eightfold Path is this, and what, I'm, what we're going to talk about tonight is effort, wise effort. And what, why, wise effort is in the third section, the Eightfold Path is divided into three sections. The first is the, um, the wisdom section, and it's seeing wise view and wise intention, seeing clearly and then beginning to incline the mind towards um, uh, action it's kind of, and then getting into the uh, act, uh, ethical behavior section where we, it's wise uh, speech and wise action and wise livelihood. And that's how you show up in the world. You show up living ethically, living without causing harm to yourselves or others. And then moving into this um, wisdom, no, excuse me, um, concentration, samadhi, wise effort, wise mindfulness, wise concentration. It's also right, right effort, right concentration, right mindfulness, right concentration. So that's really the foundation, how you do this. You need mindfulness, and I'll talk about mindfulness next week. It's like really this three-pointed effort and mindfulness and concentration are needed to just stay present, stay with this, what's, what's right here, right now. So effort is really important. Effort is actually one of my favorite. Uh, I really like wise effort because it's, it's, it's kind of a linchpin for all these things are linchpins, I'm telling myself. But they all back each other up and they all support each other, all these, all these factors of the, of the path. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, 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 uh, it's important, and, and it's, blah, 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 let me step back a couple of steps. Wise effort is um, divided into, four, there's four efforts in talking about wise effort. There's the um, preventing, unho- the, the word that's often used is unwholesome, preventing unwholesome um, states from arising, and I like the word that, um, Rick Hansen uses, He's, he talks about beneficial and unbeneficial, which, which I, I, I think wholesome is, is like very Mary Poppinsy to me. Um, so I think beneficial thinking, you know, wholesome or beneficial thoughts. So we prevent these uh, thoughts that are not beneficial from arising or when they're present, we recognize they're present. And we, we um, let go of them, and then we cultivate beneficial or positive states of mind, and we keep them there. So these are the four efforts that we do. We recognize when, there's, when the mind is in the gutter, and then we go, oh, let's get out of there, and let's recognize when it doesn't suck. When the mind is wholesome and beneficial, and, and we're not lost in that craving or aversion. We're not walking around going, that's lost in anger, that's lost in aversion. So we have to, because 
we've spent so much of our years, so much of our life being lost in these emotions and not knowing it, thinking this is the way it is. There's this, this um, Rick Hansen talks about in Buddha's brain, he talks about the, you know, the implicit memory and explicit memory, which I really love, if you know what they are. The implicit memory, or these explicit memories are the memories we actually remember, like we remember what we had for breakfast, or we remember where we went to school, or we remember where we grew up. We have these memories that we're easy, easily uh, can, um, can pull, pull out and access. Implicit memory, on the other hand, are those memories that are um, subconscious or unconscious, yet they color our outlook on life. They, they kind, there, are, there are conditioning. There are deep conditioning that kind of um, drive how we see the world. And we're not aware of it. It's, this, it's the water we swim in. It's the water we swim in. And when we walk around with these, these um, stories, these habitual patterns of thinking, we're lost in that. And most oftentimes, it's, it's driven by greed, it's driven by craving, it's driven by a, a not liking things, aversion, the defilements, what the Buddha talked about, this, this, uh, this shit that drives us and keeps us from seeing clearly. And the teaching around this is the hindrances, or for those, I don't know if some of you are aware, know what the hindrances are. But we all experience them. You experienced them while you were um, meditating. You may not realize it, but they were there. Maybe one, maybe many. I like the phrase of sometimes it's a multiple hindrance attack, where they're coming at you left and right. And what the hindrances are, um, are the um, craving and aversion, this little, this little set of craving and aversion, or like Ryan, you were asking about sleepiness. So there's the restless, there's the dullness, the sleepiness, or the other side of that is the um, restlessness and worry, or then um, doubt. Let me see, I, had, I said page 65, so I want to see what, what exciting things might be in here on page 65. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, you ask, yeah, please. Um, I just would like to know um, your thoughts. Senator, for some reason, this has been on the top of my mind, and it kind of relates to what you're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just curious about your thoughts on that, because it's sort of been coming up for me. It's a big question. I know. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. No, no. I think I talked about this last week, and it's fine. I don't mind talking about it again because it's a really important question. Is how do we navigate the world? You know, when we start waking up, um, you recognize, you know, this is why the Buddha talked to, when the Buddha was first enlightened and he didn't want to teach because he said there's so few people, so many people, most people can't hear this. You know, um, and it's like going to be banging my head against the wall. And, and then he realized, you know, there are some people who just have a little dust in their eyes, is the phrase, uh, that don't need a lot to wake up. But you begin to see how people are driven by greed. It's, it's all so much greed and hatred and with underlying fear. Fear is so huge and um, 
And it's everywhere, and we see the the destruction it causes. I mean, and it's everywhere, and it's it's generational. This 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 stuff that just continues on, and and the, the political system, and but that's you know, this is nothing new. It's just kind of hit this crazy point that's just so blatantly obvious, but it's kind of like making clear the way it's been. You know, it's always it's been like this forever. Forever, and it's like so. How do we navigate that? We have to. I know what it was. The question. I was in a. I was in a meeting, a board meeting, a week and a half ago, and it's a. It's a board of. Uh, it's a faith-based social justice, social action, social justice organization, and the question for or like an icebreaker was, how do you? Uh, it's about, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like, how does your faith support you in social justice work? And so I never thought of this as a faith, because to me, faith is like a belief in something that I don't understand or I can't see, that that mystery. Um, but what I recognize is that these teachings have given me a groundwork, a framework that I can, I can um, rest on as I move out and face the the insanity of the world. So there, I believe, like, I, because last week I was talking about wise action. It's how to show up in the world by, you know, wisely, you know, not causing harm and being compassionate and not taking. And, and with wise speech, wise speech means saying what needs to be said, you know, being exhorted to, to say what needs to be said. And then... Um, <laughs> recognizing that there are so many people who are still blind and who don't get it. And I don't know if I'm answering your question, um, but it's, it's really, for me, it's about being able to rest with, um, rest on these teachings and recognize that people are not, but to not, you know, to call people on their, call people on their stuff as much as possible. I mean, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's not wise to do that. But to do what you can, to say, okay, I see this. What can I do? It's, um, you know, ending suffering, ending injustice where you can, ending, ending um, harming of others where you can, in what way it makes sense for you. We have to find that, make that commitment to, you know, end suffering for all beings. Because we don't practice for ourselves. We just for ourselves. We practice for the benefit of all beings. Um, that's that's a that's a, a piece that's that's come through um, that I actually like. It's, it's so it's not selfish. It's like I do this, but not just for me. Yeah, there's a benefit to me, but how can I help others as well? I think that's really a, a beautiful piece of these teachings that come through, especially in the Mahayana uh, tradition where they talk about the Bodhisattva who who says, "Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna." Not, I'm going to um, forego my enlightenment until all beings are enlightened, you know. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them all. Suffering is endless, I vow to end it. You know, that kind of high, high bar. Because um, I don't know if that, that spoke to anything. <laughs> yeah. How do, we, how do we show up? You know, and that's what I find these things are. How do I show up? And effort in this, in this regard, I think it's really helpful, this, this factor. Wise effort. Recognizing the shit 
that our mind tells us, the stories that we get caught up in, that's the not the beneficial. That's recognizing when the thoughts are unwholesome, when they're not beneficial, when we're caught up in craving. Everybody, you guys need to change. Then it'll be okay. Get yeah, that's that's craving. <laughs> you know, if you would just do it right, then it would all be peaches and cream, you know? If we just get rid of the president, then it'll be good. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's bigger than that. And, yeah, ex yeah, but, you know, we get caught up in this, you know, this, we, it's all the outside stuff. And, um, and it comes, and, it, and it's continually, that's, you know, we, that's our, our, our conditioning. That's how we, it, we're driven by our conditioning. And then we get caught up in particular um, views, thinking things need to be a certain way for it to be um, manageable. And we are always over there, or over there, or over there, or back there, and, and not present, and recognizing that, you know, right now, it sucks a lot, and we're going to move in this direction, but I'm not going to forego my ease waiting for everything to change, because you'll get it, and then there'll be something else. There's never, ever a time when you're going to get everything you need. I mean, it's, because you've all gotten, this is my, I love saying this, you've all gotten something you've wanted, right? Everybody in this room has gotten something they really wanted. Christmas is a great time for this, right? Oh, I want Santa, please bring me something. And then you get it. And then you're like, it doesn't do it. It doesn't do it. And then what? Oh, man, you're screwed. Now you got to find the next thing to go to. So that's, what, that's watching that thought, watching when we're caught up in that type of thinking, that craving, that um, the, sensual, the, the craving for um, desire, you know, agreeable sight, sound, smells, taste, touch. Craving for everything, for wealth, for power, for spumoni ice cream, for whatever it is. You know, we have to recognize when we're caught up in that. That's the not beneficial thinking. Or when we're caught up in anger, resentment, repulsion for, for other people, for ourselves. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of hatred right now. A tremendous around, amount of hatred and fear. That's the, those flames are being fanned constantly. And watching how we get caught up in that. Careful, too. We were talking, I was talking about this, we've been talking about this among some people. It's like social media, you know? That, or, or news cycles, you know, TV news and radio and all inter, interwebs. Just be cautious, you know? Um, how we, how we, um, uh, uh, ingest this stuff. This is how you, you do this, how you're cautious about, you know, bringing in these, um, these unwholesome uh, ideas or, or letting these things run amok is guarding the sense doors. And by that, it's like paying attention to what you're experiencing. That's what we talk about. Pay attention to what you're experiencing. So you're not just blindly letting stuff come in and distract you here, there, and everywhere. You're making sure that you're paying attention. Um, you know, 
know, recognize when you, we're talking about the drowsiness. You know, it's, it's not just because you're tired, but maybe you're just like, ugh, it's easier just to be dull. That's a way of checking out. I don't have to deal with stuff if I just check out. Or that rest, recognize when restlessness and worry is present or doubt. And a lot of times, you know, this is when you can identify something as a hindrance, it's a great help towards moving towards letting it go. Like if you can, when you're caught up in worry, you are in it. You are in it. But if you can stop and go, oh, that's worry. You know, like the te- when when Buddha was being attacked by Mara with the with the with the armies and the dancing girls and the doubt, and then he went, "Oh, wait a minute! I see you. I see you for what you are." And so then you begin to see, "Oh, I see this. This is the hindrance of craving. This is the hindrance of of aversion or restlessness or worry." And when you have that, then you have the ability to have a little a little space between the experience and your reaction. And you can go, oh, I don't have to react that way. I can react in a different way. I can cultivate a different type of response. That is the wholesome factors of, of this of, of, of effort, recognizing when you're caught in the hindrances and being willing to let go. Now, letting go is its own challenge because we have been with these patterns of thinking for a long time. Sometimes when all of a sudden you're waking up to this, you're, it might be the first time you realize that you can put that down, that ha- habit that you've developed over years, whatever it is. I, uh, I think it might have something in here. Um, you know, when we get caught up in uh, restlessness and worry, what is it? It drives the mind from thought to thought, or worry is remorse over past mistakes or anxiety. You know, all these, all these emotions that show up, remorse, guilt, fear, self-pity. I was, used to just wallow in self-pity. You know, and it felt so good, and it's what I knew. It was like self-soothing in some way. And then you realize it doesn't have any, it doesn't serve any type of purpose. It doesn't do anything. Can you let it go? That is a huge effort of being willing to, it's, you've, you've all seen it in practice. You're somewhere else, oh, let it go, come back. And then you're gone again. It's like, let it go. And it's like, no, no, I have to, I have to think with this one through. You ever do that? It's like, no, this one I have, no, this one's important. Like the conversations you have with people who aren't here. It's like, no, no, this is an important one. I have to figure, I have to finish this one. No, you have to be willing to put on the brakes and let go. So you can begin to see clearly that, and, and see clearly what actually is happening instead of the story you're caught in. Yeah. So you can. It, it talks about um, traditionally, if you're caught up in desire, reflect on the impermanence of things. This shit's gonna go away. You might get what you want, but it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna not last. It's gonna not last. You know. We'll get more cats. It's like, but they're going to die too. It's like, but you don't worry. You don't project. You just stay in the present moment. Impermanence. Aversion, when you're caught up in aversion, you cultivate loving kindness. 
you really make the effort to bring in the heart practices, as difficult it is, as it is. You know, even if you don't have the person in your life, you don't want to have that, ugh, that hate in your heart because it doesn't serve you. Hating someone, having resentment doesn't do anything to them. It just makes you feel miserable. You don't want to carry that stuff around with you. When you're, you know, when you're lost in that drowsiness, get up. Um, when you're lost in restlessness, maybe some simple breathing. That can, breathing, breathing in to four, breathing out to six, that really calms you. That's, a, that's a, actually a physical way to calm yourself. Um, and then doubt, when you're caught up in doubt, what's really good is to reflect on your own experience. If you've been practicing for a while and these teachings have had some type of impact in your life, even if it's just causing you not to flip people off on the freeway, recognize that and say, it's worked. And if I keep doing what I'm gonna, doing, it's going to keep doing what it's doing. You know? Doubt is, doubt is can be really powerful. Um, yeah, these hindrances are just kind of just taking us in the direction of our, our regular habits. And so just to put the brakes on. Um, so that's the first couple of factors, is recognizing when we're lost in the nonsense and letting it go. Just and, and trying to tamp it down before it gets there. And then the second two are, you know, arouse the wholesome factors, the beneficial factors. And, and traditionally they talk about recognizing the, the seven factors of awakening. As recognize when you're not suffering. Recognize when there is joy, when there is tranquility, when there is ease, when there is concentration, when there is equanimity. Be with it. Don't stir shit up. Allow it to be there and cultivate it, which is, it sounds extremely challenging. How does one do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> um, Rick Hansen talks about it in, the, in this book, and it's a, it's a great chapter. In fact, I, I, I wrote a talk on it, which I couldn't find my notes to. Um, when he talks about taking in the good. And he talks about how our, we have these implicit and explicit memories and we have a, a negativity bias. And it's the negativity bias because we're, when we were, you know, out there in the brain, the reptilian brain, um, was always looking, making sure it wasn't going to be prey. You know, it was like fight, flight, or freeze. They always had to be on the lookout. So we're, we're much more aware of the, 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 the not-so-good stuff than the good stuff. So we need to begin to cultivate the wholesome, the beneficial. And this is how he puts it. He says, um, to paraphrase the wise effort section of the Eightfold Path, you should create, preserve, and increase the beneficial implicit memories and prevent, eliminate, and decrease the harmful ones. So we increase beneficial and decrease the harmful. And there's ways to do that. There's ways to do that by actually internalizing the positive experiences that you have. Like when at the end of meditation I said to cultivate gratitude, to really sit with something that you feel grateful for or grateful to, that has a beneficial impact. What you're doing is you're cultivating this, this wise effort. 
You're bringing in the good. And you're helping to fight that negativity bias, that, that implicit memory that's not so beneficial, that's not so helpful. Um, when you experience something that's good, that's positive, that's pleasant, savor it. Savor it. And there's a whole bunch of neurological reasons why that's beneficial, but I'm not going to get into them. But, it, you know, he, he talks about the, um, the, the uh, neurological reasons why, you're, why it's good. But one thing he says, um, given the negativity bias of the brain, it takes an active effort to internalize positive experiences and heal the negative ones. When you tilt towards what's positive, you're actually writing a neurological imbalance. So you're actually writing this neurological imbalance with the tendency towards the negative. Which makes sense for us to have, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary, and it causes discomfort. And if, it's, if we let it out of control, we end up in a world run by greed run by people who just never get enough, run by people who um, think it's okay to hate other people, think it's okay to jail children and take them away from their parents, you know, that think that's okay, you know? That's what we end up with if this shit runs amok. Where genocide is, uh, yeah, that's, I can see why that should happen. So, you know, we have to pay attention. So that is, um, I, those, are, those are my thoughts around wise effort. It's incredibly important. I think it's, I think it's important, so important because it's asking us to stop and pay attention to the mind and recognize what our stories are. What are your stories? Where do you get caught up? What's, you know, when we all have, because of our, our conditioning, we have our own little pet stories that we always fall back on that are different for each of us, so to, and to be willing to let go of those. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we need support outside of our practice, you know, when there's, there's trauma that, um, that has impacted us, when, it's, when there's, when there's a, um, um, you know, institutionalized, uh, uh, all the institutionalized, like the racism and the misogyny and the, the patriarchy and, um, all that stuff that's, uh, that's um, impacted so many people over so many years. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of harm that's being caused, um, both nationally, culturally, institutionally, and, and personally in our families. In our, in our communities. So to, to be aware of that and, and really um, develop some kindness and compassion towards ourselves and, and move towards healing. So seeing it clearly and then seeing what kind of healing we might need to, to move towards a, a place of, of balance, of equanimity, of being okay. Um, it's, 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 it, it can be very challenging. It can take a long time, but I think it's incredibly worth it. Um, 